like to start this morning by giving an overview of where we've been as a church and where we're going. So if you're new, maybe first, second, third time, if you're newer, this is a great way to find out what's important to us. If you've been here for all of our almost four months together, uh, here's an opportunity to just step back and remember, hey, here's what's important to us, here's where we've been, and then I'll also give you a little overview of where we're going in 2017. So the first five weeks we spent focusing on the gospel and the Great Commission uh, because that's what we want to do, that's what we want to be about. So we looked at Matthew chapters 26 through 28. And we saw God's vision for us is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples, who also make other disciples, who in turn make other disciples. That's what we want to do. But what we do and how we do it comes out of who we are. So these last 12 weeks, we've been focusing on who we are in relationship to God. We've been going through Henry Blackaby's study called Experiencing God, and that study has turned our focus to our relationship with God, to what it means to hear from God. And that we found that God is pursuing a love relationship with each one of us, that God is speaking, and it's our responsibility to hear from, how, to hear from him, how he's at work, and how we can join him. Uh, because here at Orchard, we believe that God will use you as you're faithful to him. Uh, he'll use you in ways that you can't dream or imagine, ways that you can't think up, because it's God, God's idea and not yours, not mine. And so I said this at the start of the study, and I'll say it again, you don't have to go through the Experiencing God study to experience God. It's simply a guide. Um, and my hope and expectation is that it brought up some questions that you wrestled with, and maybe not all those questions were answered, but those are the questions that we need to be asking. And so moving forward, as you focus on your love relationship and God moves you towards making disciples or, you know, trying to make disciples, learning as you move forward in trying to make disciples. Here's what I've found and what God's word communicates to us to expect. Trouble, hardship, difficulty. Uh, if I say it this way, maybe it'll resonate with you more. Knowing and loving God and making God's love known to others, it's hard. It's not easy, it's not comfortable, it's not natural for any of us. And so in 2017, in three weeks from today, we're going to start a journey through the book of 2 Corinthians, because that book deals with the difficulty of being a Christian who's moving toward God in ministry. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the church. If you're a believer, God is calling you to ministry. And that might not mean overseas, or it might not be, mean ever standing on a stage like I am right now, but every single believer is called to ministry, and we want to be a church that empowers and equips God's people to carry out God's work, the ministry. So, what are your ministry credentials? Who is adequate for, these, for this ministry? Those are questions that 2 Corinthians asks and answers. So, there's a little cliffhanger for you. Uh, you can start reading 2 Corinthians if you'd like, but not right now. <laughs> right now is the time that some have looked forward to for the last 12 weeks, and others have bemoaned the fact that eventually this day would come. Right now we're going to finish the Experiencing God sermon series. So we're going to go through Unit 12, which is when Blackaby talks about 
experiencing God in your daily life. Uh, He talks about experiencing God in your marriages as a couple, uh, in your children's lives, um, in your workplace, in the marketplace. And I think what he's really driving at is that you can experience God wherever you are, whoever you are. And the key, the key to experiencing God is relying on him. So I want to ask and keep asking what I consider a pretty deep and personal question. And that question is, who are you relying on? Who are you relying on? We're all ultimately relying on someone or something. And naturally and normally, we rely on ourselves. But as you rely on God, you will experience him in your life. So listen to the word of God from 2 Chronicles chapter 16. This is our text today. In the, in the 36th year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Asa then took the silver and the gold out of the, treasury, the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace, and he sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you, Asa said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he'll withdraw from me. Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, agreed with King Asa, and he sent the commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. They conquered Ajan, Dan, Abel-Mame, and all of the store cities of Naphtali. When Baasha heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. Then King Asa brought all the men of Judah, and they carried away from Ramah the stones and timber Baasha had been using. With them, with those stones and timber, he built up Geba and Mizpah. So if you're a visual learner, here's a map to help you visualize what was happening. This is a real event, real people in a real place. Israel is in the gold, and they were attacking the southern kingdom of Judah, basically weakening Judah's northern city of Ramah. And Judah, feeling insecure, feeling attacked and vulnerable, because no one can get in and out of that key northern city, Judah gets Aram to break their alliance with Israel. You can see Aram is in the green over there with Ben-Hadad's picture. So Judah gets Aram to break alliance with Israel. And instead of being allied with Israel, Aram actually attacks Israel up in the north where that circle is. So So then Israel withdraws from Judah because they're being attacked in the north. And Judah uses all all this equipment, all these tools that were left over, these recycled supplies provided by their enemy to build up the city that was attacked and also some neighboring cities. So that's what happened in the story. But the the text continues in verse 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, who's someone who's like a prophet because he's speaking on God's behalf, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. 
For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. Asa, king of Judah, was angry with the seer because of this message. He was so enraged that he put Hanani into prison. At the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. The events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though the disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut out for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a bier covered with spices and various blended perfumes, and they made a huge fire in his honor. So this story of Asa is going to guide us to the truth of the question, who are you relying on? And the truest answer is often revealed like it was for Asa in our problems and how we handle our problems. You see, this story picks up in the 36th year of Asa's reign, and he had 35 years of really good kingship. Of course, not perfect, but if you read chapters 14 and 15, which I highly recommend, it makes this story even more fascinating, in my opinion. You'll find that Asa was a pretty good king, and that's why they celebrated him when he died. It's kind of funny to read chapter 16, because it's like, man, this guy's uh, such an idiot. He doesn't rely on God, but for 35 years, he was a good king. They celebrated him. I I say that just to mention, this wasn't his first rodeo. This wasn't his first problem. As verse 8 mentions, Asa did, in the past, rely on the Lord in his time of need. When they were attacked by the Libyans and the Cushites, he relied on the Lord and the Lord came through, but not this time. And so that just shows this question, who are you relying on? That's always a pertinent question for your life and for my life, for our life as a church. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, we all have problems, and we all rely on someone to navigate us through those problems. And this time, Asa relied on himself, his own resourcefulness, his own ability, his own strength. He bought help with money that he had and that was laying around in God's temple. So think about your own lives. What are the problems that you face? What are the problems that just consistently come to mind? And don't feel shame and emotionally shut down. If your problems are overwhelming or very personal, sensitive to you, it's easy to shut down. I want you to know that God is not overwhelmed by your problems. He's offering you hope and purpose in the midst of whatever problem or difficulty you have. And so for some people, It might be a difficult relationship with a close friend or with a family member. For other people, it might be a lack of meaningful relationships in your life. Sometimes our problems are just in the form of the daily grind, raising kids, going to work, expending yourself, coming home, being exhausted, resting, and then just getting back on that treadmill and you feel like a gerbil on a treadmill, going fast and going nowhere at the same time. Other people struggle with anxiety. Your problems are internal. Whether it's situations where you're around people or by yourself, 
There's a lot of people in our country that struggle with depression. A lot of people throughout the world that struggle with depression. Um, problems can be as simple as a difficult situation at work or job, job insecurity. Sometimes problems come in the form of old wounds, things that have happened years ago that are still replaying on the tracks of our minds. Other people are, are, are uh, they, they find their problems in the uncertain future. Even though none of us know what the future holds, that can be a problem for a lot of people. And how we deal with whatever problem is in your life, it shows who we're relying on. So listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians, how he talked about his trouble, how he understood its purpose. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the trouble that we experienced in Asia. Listen to how severe it was. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who what raises the dead. Our trouble was so severe that it was as though we'd received death itself, but God raises the dead. And our trouble was to point us back to our need for God and God's faithfulness to us. So being a Christian is not a guarantee of comfort. I think that's a lie that even though most people wouldn't sign up their name next to that, next to that doctrine, next to that belief, it's easy to thank God, why don't you give me comfort if you love me? Well, it's not a guarantee of comfort. It's a guarantee for hope and purpose in the midst of what is often uncomfortable. And one of God's purposes for trouble is revealing who we're relying on. And if you're sitting there thinking, you know what, I'm actually in a pretty good place right now. I don't have any problems that are, I mean, they're, they're little, but I don't have any major problems. Here's two reasons to stay tuned in. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before you come across a problem in your life. And, and the second reason is maybe you don't have any awareness to your problems because you really do think you have what it takes to deal with whatever life's throwing at you or will throw at you. You just know how to navigate through life like that. And I'll just say, like Asa, you might be able to avoid the outcomes that are, you don't like. I mean, he avoided the outcome that he was afraid of, which was being attacked from Israel by the north, but he only avoided that problem temporarily. So read, reading verses four through six again, it seemed like it worked out great for Esau, right? He had a lot of money. He used that money to get rid of his problem. The king of Aram agreed. The king of Aram could have not agreed. <laughs> and then he would have had two enemies uh, coming down at him. But the king of Aram ag agreed. And then Esau even got this, uh, all this equipment, all these supplies to strengthen some northern cities. It seemed like his plan worked out great. But we can only navigate life successfully temporarily apart from God. We cannot please God on our own. We cannot really, we cannot experience real and lasting success in life apart from God. So I'm going to ask the question again, who are you relying on? Who are you relying on? The answer shows up in how you pursue what the good life is, the really good life. And so 
if any time you have a problem and you're working on the problem, you're working towards a solution. But if you identify the problem wrongly, you're going to work towards the wrong solution. So here's an illustration. Um, whenever something valuable is built, like an airplane, the more value the product has, the more rigorous the inspection and assessment of its makeup should be. I mean, no matter how cheap the ticket, I'm not going to get on an airplane that's not built, designed, and certified and approved by the right people, by qualified engineers and whoever else goes through that process. And you shouldn't either, no matter how cheap the ticket. And just like engineers need time and training to accurately frame up a project to accomplish it, we need to accurately assess our lives in order to know what the good life is, the really good life. And Esau clearly did not do that in chapter 16. Instead, he did what's often easy for us to do. We assess it according to our own assessment. He let his insecurity drive him rather than the truth. He saw, I have a problem. I need to solve this problem. Here's how I can solve this problem. And he never went to God about his problem. And so who Esau trusted was actually his biggest problem. It wasn't being attacked from the north. It was who he was trusting. It was who he was relying on. And he framed up the problem wrong, and so he got the wrong answer. And who we're trusting, not the results of our lives, not the cars that we drive, not the jobs that we have, not none of the results of our lives, who we're trusting is still the most important problem that we have today. And if we frame up the problem wrong, we're going to get the wrong answer. So I'm going to ask again, who are you relying on? Your answer to this question matters immensely. That's why I keep asking, who are you relying on? It matters so much because the greatest opportunity cost is choosing to rely on anyone or anything other than Christ. So it's really easy to see in the latter half of this passage that we read the negative consequences of Esau's disobedience. You see, he actually got what he was trying to avoid. He was trying to avoid war, and God's spokesman said, from now on, you will be at war. This is the way that God works. He often gives us over to that which we are relying on, and he does this out of love so that we would remember how much we need him and how much better he is how the good life is found with him in relationship to him, how he gets to define the good life and not us. He gave Esau over to his own thoughts, his own ways of the good life, and, and Esau got what he was trying to avoid. It's really ironic. But another negative consequence of Esau's disobedience is seen in his relationship with others. Remember what happened to Hanani? He was imprisoned. And then the, the, the writer mentions that others were mistreated as well. So once you start relying on yourself, once you start relying on anyone other than God, just like we talked about last week, it starts showing up in those horizontal relationships, relationships between yourself and your fellow humans, fellow human beings. And it also, according to this passage, it, your disobedience, your reliance, it affects your tendencies 
to act in the same way in the future. Remember, it's just a couple years later, a few years after this happened, and Judah was attacked, and Esau turned to Aram instead of turning to God, and then Esau had a disease in his feet. He didn't learn his lesson, did he? Instead of seeking help from the Lord, he only sought help from the physicians. This is not a passage that teaches that you shouldn't seek medical help. The Bible doesn't teach that you should not seek medical help. But you should always seek help under the authority of God, that you seek God's help and not just another man's help. So it affected his tendencies to act the same way because here we see that this was the last five years of his life, of his reign, that he trusted himself instead of God. And ultimately, the consequence of death is for all of our disobedience. And I know even if Esau finished well, even if he trusted God instead of Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, Esau still would have died. But the way that he failed to finish is a reminder that death is ultimately the result of our sin and our imperfection. And that's not the end. There's still, I think the greatest cost of his disobedience was that whenever he relied on someone other than God, just like us, we miss out on an experience with God. Let's go back and see verse seven again, what the seer Hanani started with saying to Esau. He said, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, he missed out on a win. The king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Esau wasn't even thinking about defeating Aram. He was thinking about protecting himself. Look at the map again. Why would he be thinking about Aram? He's getting attacked in the north. And so have you considered what you're giving up when you fail to rely on God? Have you thought about that? If you're relying on self, you're giving up a win. You're giving up an experience with God. And like I said before, relying on yourself, it's, it's a real natural posture for us. And it might even yield desirable results. It still doesn't make it right. You see, every single moment, every situation in your life is an opportunity to relate with the living God. So are you learning? This is a process. Are you learning to approach it that way? That's why we encourage you to spend time alone with God. It's training, training to hear from God, training to talk to God, so that when you're in situations like when you need help raising your kid or when you need to know how to make an ethical choice in your business or when you need help to help another person in your life or just when you need direction on a major life choice or something else, you don't have to worry about how to make that decision because you already know who has the authority to make the decision the best. You know what it means to trust him. You're learning to rely. And I believe that type of life of hearing from God and obeying him is possible for every single person. It's possible for us as a church. And I'm not promising that that's easy or that's a quick process, but it's possible. And so my prayer is that this study has been an enhancement of that process for you. So let's get really practical What are some indicators of if you are actively relying on God? 
if you're praying, and I'd say especially about what troubles you, then that's an indicator that you're actively relying on God. Whether it's job security, kids, family dynamics, the presidential election has troubled a lot of people. If that's you, then are you praying about it? Are you relying on God? Here's another indicator of if you're relying on God. Are you learning to wait on God in order to hear from him? And this is especially true if you have time to wait. I understand that there are deadlines in life. But up until that deadline comes, are you really waiting to hear from God? Are you using all the time that God gives you to wait on him, to hear from him, to seek him? So if you prayed and then just did what you wanted to do anyway, you might not be relying on God, but just acting like you are. And then when that deadline comes, do you act in faith? That's an indicator of if you rely on God. And I don't really like that, that phrasing, acting in faith, because we all act in faith all the time. What I mean is, are you acting in faith in God or acting in faith in yourself? Oftentimes when we act in faith in God, that means that we live in a way that we could not or would not on our own. So another indicator, if you're actively relying on God, are you walking with others who are also committed to relying on him? And walking with others means sharing your struggles, having fun together, encouraging each other towards Christ, celebrating victory, confessing sin. Confessing sin is another indicator of if you're actively relying on God. Confessing sin helps us to remember that the question of who you're relying on, that's always a pertinent question. Always a pertinent question. So I said it's possible. It's not quick or easy. And those are some ways that you can take a snapshot right now of if you've been relying on God. But how can you rely on God? Like moving forward. I think it starts by identifying the, the problem, Right? The problem for all of us, the biggest problem, is sin. We trust ourselves. We have the wrong picture of what the good life is. And so, in a way, we're really all like Esau, the king of Judah. We're self-reliant. We tend to do things our own way and not God's way. Of course, God's way is perfect. And so, if you think you're perfect... Uh, Talk to me after the service or talk to your wife, someone who knows you well. We're all like Esau. And the good news is there's a king who's not like Esau. There's a king who totally relied on God perfectly. Therefore, he lives the good life. That king relied on God even to the point of death. He didn't deserve death because he didn't sin. And with that death, he paid for all of our guilt. And he made his good life available to us because he rose from the grave. That life is so available that the spirit of the king lives inside everybody who follows him with their lives. The king's spirit doesn't make you live perfectly, but it does give you all the power that you need to live the good life. 
That's how you do it, is by his power, through the gospel, by his grace. So God defines good, and of course the king I'm talking about is Jesus. And so I hope you see that your response, your answer to this question, your response to this message matters immensely. Who are you relying on? And if you haven't ever relied on Jesus alone before for the forgiveness of your sin, for the direction, the leadership of your life, if you want to do that today, tell him. Just talk to him and tell him that. And then tell someone else because being a Christian, like Todd mentioned in announcements, it's being in right relationship with God and with other people. It's the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship. It's both, like we talked about last week. And if you have relied on Jesus, but if you're not experiencing the power to live the good life, and I'm not talking about perfection, I'm talking about direction. If you're not experiencing his power moving you in the right direction, did you think that the good life was just avoiding hell? That's just the not bad life. Christ came so that we would have life to the full, so that we would have the good life. Good as God defines it, not as you define it. This is relying on God. So if that's you, if you've relied on Jesus, you've committed to follow him, to be your Savior, the one who forgives you, and your Lord, the one who leads you, but if you're not experiencing that power, Talk to God about that and talk to a friend about that. We all need help growing. We all need help learning to live in reliance on him. And if you've relied on Jesus for your salvation and if you've been relying on him lately, just remember that's only by his grace. Tell a friend how weak you are without him. Tell a friend how weak you feel. Don't get a big head. Keep focusing on who he is and what he's done. Let him propel you forward on mission. Otherwise, you're going to start relying on yourself. So one way to remember who he is and what he's done is communion. In fact, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And he said that right before he died on the cross. And so what I'm about to say is really important. So listen. When we partake of communion, we don't believe that this makes us any more acceptable to God. We do this because God totally accepts us. And the reason for our acceptance is his grace. We're remembering the price of grace. That Jesus' body was broken for us. That his blood was poured out for us. So these elements that we're partaking are just symbols pointing to that reality. So what we're doing is we're saying that we rely on God's grace for our full acceptance by God. Nothing that we did, nothing that we can do or will do, just Jesus. And if you haven't relied on Christ alone, then, uh, or if you're not sure where you stand, just go ahead and pass the dish. No one's going to judge you. Nobody here was born a Christian. And so we respect, understand where, we, where you are today, and we're just glad you're here. And there, there will be some prayers for you to consider praying uh, during the song that we're going to listen to as we partake communion. And if you are a Christ follower with a clear conscience, go ahead and pick up the elements and hold them 
um, and pass them around, and we'll eat them together uh, after everyone's been served. Uh, so during the song, if, if you're a believer, uh, talk to God about what it might mean for you to rely on him just this upcoming week, maybe even this afternoon, because every single moment is an opportunity for you to experience him. And experiencing him does not always come with feelings. It's just obedience, faithful obedience. So servers, if you guys want to come forward, um, we'll pass out the elements.